HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. This week on Meet and Three, we're talking about the United States' biggest crop. It's corn. They will always tell you that corn is like their family. Corn is their family. You treat corn like you would treat your family. These subsidy programs are supposed to be for really dealing with unexpected things that happen to farmers. Although in practice, a lot of times, farmers are actually paid farm subsidies for things that we can control and do expect. There's this constant warfare going on between the oil industry and the grain industry. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd. I'm Jessica, your host for today. And I'm very excited because today I actually have two guests. We're going to be talking to two people who have started businesses in different parts of the country uh, making cheese and charcuterie boards. And I stumbled upon them, where else, but on Instagram, right? Because that seems to be where everybody's been the last year of uh, this COVID time. But I just wanted to back up a bit because when COVID hit the United States, cheese and charcuterie boards were already all over social media and had been for a couple of years. And during COVID, they've become a bit of a luxury, an easy way to enjoy a night in, and businesses that create and sell these boards in their local communities became a really big part of specialty food sales. Selling cheese and charcuterie this way became a business opportunity without needing to have a brick-and-mortar location. And for our guests, the idea of starting these businesses kind of started churning before COVID, and then we had an opportunity, given what was going on in the country, to really put these businesses into motion. So my first guest comes from New Orleans. So exciting to talk to somebody from this part of the country. We generally seem to stick to the Northeast, (laughs) so I would like to introduce you to Elizabeth Choto. And Elizabeth Choto's company is called Gray's Dat. 
So welcome to Cutting the Curd. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how Grazedat came to be. So um, I'm a career educator. Um, I actually worked in the education field for about 15 years and um, was laid off about two years ago. And just being kind of burnt out, um, was looking for an opportunity to do something different. Um, So I love beer and I decided to start a brewery tour. So I would take people to um, different breweries in New Orleans to go and try beer. And I would kind of show them around the back end operations and we'd talk about how beer is made, do things like smell hops and malt, just so they could kind of get a profile of what those things smelled like and sometimes even tasted like because we taste malt and um, spent grain in, uh, you know, the brewing process. And um, we would go through the whole gamut of how beer is made and would taste it and then pair it with food. And once COVID hit, um, everything in New Orleans was shut down. And so for months and months and months and months, I had (laughs) no way of doing this new job that I loved Um, until my sister said, hey, why not do it virtually? So we were sitting around trying to figure out how to get a common beer to people all over the country to do a beer tasting online when I learned about a brewery in San Antonio, Texas called Weathered Souls. And they had come up with this brewing initiative um, for a a beer called Black is Beautiful, And the goal of this beer was not just to have a common beer all over the place, but also to kind of use it as a tool for um, supporting some of the social justice initiatives that came out of um, some of the the protests this last summer. So I think about 1,100 breweries signed on globally to make this beer. So... I was instantly like, wow, we could use this beer and people can just go to the different breweries in their neighborhoods and find a version of this beer. And then we could go through the beer tasting process and then talk about the different adjuncts that people are tasting, depending on which brewery made their beer. And so while we're doing that, we did that maybe three or four times. And the fourth time, my sister kind of said, hey, you need food, because about 15 (laughs) minutes into our tasting that day, we were all just, yeah, we were done. (laughs) (laughs) Way too much beer. Um, And so she was like, hey, you need food. You, You need for people to have something in their bellies. And you too, you need some food in your belly. So I was like, all right, well, next time everybody brings something to nibble on so that we can kind of mitigate the effects of the beer we're tasting. Because a lot of the beers are like 10 percenters, really heavy beers for people who aren't, I'd say, regular beer drinkers. Um, So I made a charcuterie board that next week, and I'm trying to go through this whole beer tasting process, and nobody cares about the beer. They're just asking about, what are you eating? What is that? I was like, okay, well... um, guess I'll just share what's on my plate. Does anybody else want to tell me what's on theirs? And they're like, no, we want to know what you're eating. <laughs> so um, the next week, um, I had some local friends who were like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We'll do your, your beer tasting just to make you happy, but can you make us what you had? And then we'll do that instead. I was like, okay. So we did that. And then people started ordering their uh, charcuterie boards and boxes and before you know it 
raise that. So, so you tapped um, into something. That's amazing. And, um, you know, for, for the cheese world, you know, we, we love our beer. We love our craft beer. I think um, beer and cheese speak a lot of the same language. They share a lot of the same descriptors, right? And like, uh, so, you know, it seemed like a natural progression for, for someone like me coming from the cheese side. And then it's interesting to hear you tell the story about people on the beer side suddenly looking over at you and say, wait, <laughs> what's, what's this added element you've got going on over there? So um, that totally, that totally sounds like you tapped into something uh, at the right time. Um, so how did you, you mentioned like people started ordering boxes and I mean, was this, this was all new to you, this idea of like getting food together this way and getting it out to people? Like, what was that learning curve like? A uh, huge learning curve for me. <laughs> I, um, I've always been a huge foodie. I've always loved food and um, actually grew up on a farm um, for part of my childhood. So food has always been kind of central in, you know, where I grew up, my culture and just just pretty much, you know, anytime that we meet with people, um, mm -hmm. one of the big things was always having food. So that was a, a big like, wait, I should have been doing this all along. I've always been about food. What have I been doing? Um, but in terms of doing it this way, this was completely new. And, uh, you know, it, it started out as a pen and paper operation because I'm a little bit technology challenged, which rapidly, you know, things just grew so fast that I was like, yeah, the, this is not going to work to be taking orders over the phone and writing, handwriting them and then having to collate things that way. So I jumped to like a Google Doc and that was like even more overwhelming. Um, and then I found a company that is now, um, they moderate my online menu. So all I do is send them pictures and descriptions of everything and they put everything together for me. So when you click on the link to go to my um, my online menu, everything is just laid out in a way that I find really appealing and very easy um, to navigate and also place an order, or customize an order for a customer. So um, that learning curve, I mean, I, I started in August of last year. Um, it's been pretty steep. <laughs> Had to and learn a lot. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking particularly about the um, the digital marketplace side and all of the tools available to people starting businesses out of their homes or where you're doing transactions virtually, um, that that must have been all new. Um, I, and it feels like their tools are constantly being developed for that as well. So what about um, in terms of marketing? Because like I, like I mentioned, I found you on Instagram. And I uh, was wondering, like, what, what that was like and using Instagram and Facebook. And how did you get the word out about your business? So, um, yeah, it, I mean, all of this just has felt like right place, right time. Um, one of the people that I made, um, one of my very first grazing boxes for, posted her box on um, a Facebook group called Where Black Nola Eats. And... That just that one post, I think, got like 500 responses and I don't know how many likes and, you know, like comments and everything else she got total. But 
there was quite a lot of interest. And just from that and then jumping over to Instagram, I was just like, these are the two places where I'll play Facebook, Instagram and marketing in this group. So it's just been, um, I think it's just been a journey in learning how to appeal to the two different, well, it's not necessarily two different groups, but, you know, people on Instagram are, they're on Instagram because of the visuals and seemingly people on Facebook like to read. So having to figure out how to market the same type things and balance that has been, it's been really interesting. So we talked before today's interview about some of the cheeses that you're enjoying right now. And I also noticed while looking at your Facebook and Instagram page that you use some unusual ingredients. I noticed that you're using gooseberries on some of your boards. Yeah, they're delicious and they're not very well known. And then, uh, (laughs) so I was wondering like, where do you get your inspiration and what are some of the other, you know, items that you use that kind of set you apart from this increasingly crowded field of cheese and charcuterie board creators? So um, a a lot of my inspiration is really drawing from my childhood and growing up on on the farm. Um, We were fortunate enough as kids to have had an orchard where we could just, you know, go and get fresh fruit um, at any point in time. Like there was never any reason to say, hey, mom, I'm hungry. Can I have whatever. There's a whole orchard of stuff. And she would say that all the time. It's not dinner time yet. Go get something in the garden. So (laughs) we had everything growing from um, red bananas and um, like yellow bananas to avocados to strawberries. I mean, we had, I think I remember having four or five different types of avocado growing in that orchard, um, we had different types of mangoes. So there was always something to nibble on. But I think one of my favorite things was gooseberries. And we just had this, I don't, it's not even a bush. It was more like a, looked like a vine slash bush. I don't know. But, um, and I just remember constantly waiting for the gooseberries to ripen because there was always a competition as far as who got to them first. My sister loves gooseberries. So, it was either her or, that, or me that got the gooseberries that morning. And more often than not, it was her. So when I see stuff like that in the stores, it kind of like brings me back to my childhood. And I, I love like grabbing some of those things and putting them on boards for people to try. Um, something else that I use on my boards that I haven't seen many people use is a mango peach chutney that I get from, um, I have to order it online. But it's something that I grew up with at home. Um, Like my uncle used to make chutney all the time. And now that I found this um, brand of chutney that tastes so much like his chutney, I buy that all the time and put it on my boards because it's kind of like this little hug from Southern Africa to people here. And um I've, I've found that it's so interesting how people initially are kind of like, I don't know if I want to try that. And then they try it and all of a sudden like, hey, can I have more of that? I need two or three containers of that. Like one is not enough. So <laughs> it's pretty cool to um, to take these little bits and pieces of my childhood and share them. And at the same time, I, I go to the farmer's market and find things that are like, local here so one of the favorites that's 
um, now maybe my most popular meat on the boards is Cajun turkey um, that people are just kind of like, you know, this is like a Louisiana hug right here. Let's, let's right. do more of this. So it's, it, and I think that's kind of also reflective of what New Orleans is. There's just so much in the food culture here that you can draw from pretty much anything and put it on a charcuterie board and somehow make it work. Um, yeah, you and I also talked about, uh, you mentioned Big John's Cajun from yeah. uh, Beehive. Yeah. I yes. mean, and that's coming out of Utah, but it found, it's got a home in New Orleans. Oh, <laughs> it's, that, yeah. yeah, that paired with the Cajun turkey. I'm like, <laughs> oh, let's my play gosh. with those two things and then add the chutney on there. Oh, good Yeah, day. that sweetness with yeah. with those spices. I can yeah. imagine. I can definitely imagine. What beer would you put with that? I'm just curious. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I'm going to keep it so Louisiana. <laughs> Go for it. My favorite beer right now is um, a honey ale made by Cajun Fire. Um, and it's just very light and crisp and kind of just lightens up some of those spices that you get with the cheese and like the heaviness of the cheese and like some of the spices. But it just brightens everything. Um, and, and is little, that like, is that a little bit of a lower alcohol level? Yes, yes it yeah. is. It's, I think it's like a five point something percent. Don't quote me on that, but it, it's one of the lower mm. level IPAs out there. It's, it's really good. Um, yeah. Those are, those are great with cheese. When you get into those higher alcohol content levels, that, that, that's when things just start to get muddy. <laughs> and so, you know, which is why I'm always telling people, I'm like, yeah, wine is good with cheese, but try the beer because <laughs> you know, I think it's just so, like you said, it's like it's crisp, it's light. It really it can really pair really nicely. Yeah. Uh, so going into the rest of this year and things are opening up and we're getting into, well, up here we're getting into warmer weather. Um, I know NOLA, it's been beautiful there for a few weeks according to my daughter who goes to school down there. So um, where do you see Gray's Dat uh, going? And are you, are you looking at maybe some in-person eventually? Or um, do, are you going to stick to boards or maybe do events? Where do, where do you kind of see this heading for you? So um, I'm starting to do some events here and there. Um, I actually had uh, an online board building workshop with about 200 women a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. 200? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's the magic of everything being online now. It's like, sure. What's the difference between 20 and 200? (laughs) Exactly. I'm doing the same thing and nobody's really looking at me. They're watching the board. (laughs) um, But yeah, that, that was really well received. And so I'm, I'm starting to do more of those type, um, events. And then I've also had a few um, in-person requests from Airbnb owners who would like to offer a service to their guests where I can either take, you know, a charcuterie board to their guests as a welcome gift, or I can offer an in-Airbnb tutorial so that we're actually doing an in-home type thing with, you know, a group of people and they're building their own charcuterie board. So, um, that's kind of brilliant. I mean, you can tie right into, um, like you said, the farmer's markets and some local specialties and 
yeah, I mean, the, the possibilities seem like they might be endless at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to ask about, um, jarcuterie. <laughs> There's all this, <laughs> this new lingo coming around this industry as, uh, these new business opportunities pop up. And so what is jarcuterie and what kind of formats do you, do your, do your boards come in? So um, I'm actually not sure who started the jarcuterie trend. The first time I saw it, um, a company called Noble Grays out of Arkansas had made a little charcuterie in a jar. And that's essentially what jarcuterie is. It's, you know, putting some meats and cheeses and other little snack items into a jar, usually a mason jar. And um, that's, that's basically the premise is to have like a little tiny serving of charcuterie, but something that's like easy to hold with maybe a wine glass or a beer and, you know, good for social distancing as well. Um, and, and having individual portions for people in, in this time of COVID. Um, but that's now evolved into um, little mini charcuterie boats that like you can arrange more things in, in more creative ways because of the way that the the little boat is set up. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're they're just like, people are coming up with endless options. I've seen charcuterie teacups where people will use a cup and saucer to create a little charcuterie arrangement. And there's double-decker and (laughs) triple-decker charcuterie in mini and macro scale. So, um, you know, it, it, it just feels like the world of how people approach, um, their charcuterie arrangements is it's completely infinite you can find anything and create a charcuterie board to to satisfy you know whatever creative urge you might have right Um, well like those hollow numbers that i saw on your feed those are my favorite (laughs) oh my gosh okay so Unfortunately, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people copying that after <laughs> listening to this. Uh, but those are, they're incredible. Just so everyone knows, head over to Grey's Dat on Instagram and Facebook and see these photos. So they're, they're how would you explain them? They're, they're just, they're large numbers, like block numbers that act as trays? Yes. So it's essentially a box that's shaped like a letter or a number and, um, you know, customers get to pick what they put in the box or I can just, you know, dealer's choice it for them and put whatever I feel like looks pretty. And Mm -hmm. fortunately, my customers trust me enough to be like, just put stuff in it, make it pretty. (laughs) I've been having so much fun with those. Um, I, I actually had one customer a couple of weeks ago who ordered a one and I had no idea why she ordered a one. And then she sent me a picture later and she was like, we ordered this because it was our baby's first month anniversary. I don't know if anniversary is the right word there, but their baby just turned one month old and they're planning on having a charcuterie board with a different number every month until <laughs> their son turns one. <laughs> so. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that, so. that sounds like my kind of celebration too. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And and I do want to say there is one other thing I have to ask you about. Can we talk about those uh, cheese and charcuterie board earrings? Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> I, you have a pair of earrings that are 
miniature cheese and charcuterie boards. They're they're brilliant. They're absolutely beautiful. They're the perfect size. They're not like oversized, you know, like they're they're really done like very delicately. Where did you get those? Those are absolutely amazing. And that is the most brilliant marketing. Oh my goodness. So I had actually had my eye on those at a store here in New Orleans and they kept selling out before I could get to the store. Um, and then one day my realtor, who's become a really good friend, was like, hey, Liz, are you home? I want to bring you something. I'm like, what, what is she bringing me? <laughs> and she shows up and she's like, I saw this and I just thought of you. So here you go. Enjoy. And I'm thinking, ooh, chocolate. No, it's earrings. <laughs> And they're, they're just so perfect. Like, they're the perfect shape, the perfect size. They're just, oh, I wear them any chance I get to just go out and say, hey, I'm one of those charcuterie people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for people to check out uh, Gray's Dat and, and see what you're up to and get inspired, tell their friends in New Orleans and in the area uh, about you and your business. And, um, you know, I, I have to say, because I'm a former educator, my next guest, she's a former teacher. Um, you know, I just think it's interesting that, that, you know, there's many of us who made the leap from education into, uh, food. And you talked a little bit about it earlier in the interview, but, you know, starting your own business in, in this time of, of serious upheaval uh, and just so much going on, um, scary times, frustrating times, just, you know, how, how are you feeling right now? Like, how would you, how, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's just, it's been such an adventure for everybody the last year and to launch your own business and it sounds like it's, it's successful. Like, how are you feeling? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the moment in the particular day you're asking about. Like right now, I'm, I'm, I'm just very grateful that this is something that people here have noticed and taken an interest in and, and continue to support, um, you know, by sharing with their friends and ordering boards and, and just, you know, sometimes even just sending a, hey, this is like really awesome. Do this again. Um, just the feedback and the outpouring of love from like New Orleans people has just been amazing. But beyond that, I have, you know, friends who are in California who've taken note of what I'm doing and, you know, are constantly like, hey, let's do a workshop because we'd like to do this for our school here. Um, so it's just been a tremendous growth opportunity in terms of building a business, but also helping to kind of build a community in a sense, because even though a lot of my followers are here, I, I do have people in California who are constantly like drawing from what I'm doing here and are, are building their own companies there as well. So it's become this community of learners and we're kind of tapping off of each other and learning how to just be flexible in a time that's requiring that, like not being flexible during COVID is it's not an option. So um, right. there's a lot of um, anxiety, but I also see a lot of hope in people um, like myself learning how to manage a business, how to run my own business, because 
you know, there's, there's a skill set that goes into that that I didn't necessarily have when I went into education. Um, but it, it's all been learning and it's all been good and sometimes anxiety-ridden <laughs> right. learning. But it's all learning. So I'm I'm really excited for what's to come. And I just keep looking for new ways to keep doing, um, you know, different things with with charcuterie. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm very, very happy that we got the chance to meet and that, um, you know, we're able to introduce you to the Cutting the Curd community. And I look forward to hearing about what happens next. And thank you so much for joining us today on Cutting the Curd. Thank you so much. And um, we'll be listening to the next bit. <laughs> and hopefully... <laughs> reaching out to um, your friend who's coming on too, because, you know, this community has just been so supportive. Like it's, it's amazing. Like seeing people who are like, potentially that could be my competition. They're like, no, 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 come here. Let me show you this. So it's just amazing. It's just a big yeah. warm hug all around, a cheesy that's, hug. <laughs> you know, the cheese and charcuterie world that that's, you just nailed it. That's exactly why I think so many of us are so passionate about it. Yeah. So, um, but thank you again. Thank you. And thank you everyone for uh, sticking with us for this first half. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor and we will be back with the Saratoga Grazing Company out of Saratoga, New York. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same, its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Jessica, and we are talking today with a couple of charcuterie and cheese board company owners that got started during 2020 and the pandemic. And today I now have Erica Dibble, who is the owner of Saratoga Grazing Company in Saratoga, New York. Welcome to Cutting the Curd, Erica. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. So we just spoke with uh, another cheese and charcuterie board extraordinaire, Elizabeth Choto, down in New Orleans. And um, I wanted to get a sense of what's happening up there in Saratoga. Can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, your company and how you got started and what your background is? Sure. So um, I definitely have a an interesting background um, because it is definitely not food related um, in the sense of like training or anything. So um, growing up, I am Swiss. That is my family's background. My father's from Switzerland. So um, a love of cheese was instilled in me from probably from probably in the womb um, because <laughs> like it just is. I mean, if you know, you know, Switzerland, they're all about the cheese over there. Um, it's like, it's like the, it's in your blood. Yeah. It's in your blood. <laughs> it's the mothership for like, you know, cheese lovers. So, um, you know, raclette fondue, was just always a part of the lifestyle growing up. Um, fast forward to, you know, going to school and stuff. I was actually an elementary school teacher for 10 years, um, which is not food or cheese related at all. Um, and I took a pause from, teaching. Um, and I took an extended maternity leave back in 2016 with my daughter. And um, while I was on maternity leave, of course, you know, I was caring for my daughter and all that. But um, also, I was just looking for something more creative to do and um, entertaining and food, throwing parties, hosting. That was just kind of always my go-to, I guess you could call it almost like a hobby. It was just like a passion of mine on the side. So um, in about the fall of 2019, my sister and I were talking and she was like, she's super passionate about food as well. And we were in her apartment in Hoboken and she's like, what about an ice cream shop? And I was like, I mean, ice cream, of course, is so delicious. Also a milk-based product. So very good. Um, but <laughs> um, I was like, you know, it's kind of like a pretty full market already. And I was like, you know what the people want? The people want cheese. So um, she was like, yeah. Yeah. And my sister always made like these big giant cheese boards. Also, we always had them at family events on the holidays. Like they were always full of cheese breakfasts where, you know, croissants and brie and, you know, so gruyere, all the good cheeses, um, the rich cheeses. And um, so we kind of like came up with that, that idea then. And then, you know, January, 2020 happened and I was like, new year, new me, I'm going to go for it. I had a logo designed. I was ready to go, started making boards for my friends. And then March of course came and boom, hit us with a pandemic. And it, it happened. Like, I think I released my logo on March 14th, 2020 for like, Hey, welcome to Saratoga grazing. And I was like, wow, what a day to announce a logo for a business. <laughs> For like a shared communal food business when they're like, don't touch anyone, wash your hands, don't let, you know. So I had to kind of put a pause for for a moment to like catch my breath and kind of like pivot like a lot of businesses had to do at that moment. You know, they had to do like a big pandemic pivot. And I was brand, I mean, really hadn't even started yet. And I was like, wow, I'm going to really have to pivot here. So I took a pause for like two months, then Memorial Weekend. I was like, let's go for it. This is the way the world is. And here we are, Saratoga Grazing Company. Amazing. Amazing. And um, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we talked before this interview, did you say you made a thousand boards during practice? Um, you, maybe it wasn't a thousand. Maybe I... <laughs> I 
I'm probably over my life. <laughs> I've made uh-huh. a thousand or eaten a thousand cheese boards. Um, I think I was saying like a, I have had practice in the last year with like over a thousand boards, like to just continue to grow. And, right. Um, you Did, know, like how I, many how many boards would you say you're making in a given week? Uh, I mean, the holidays is oh, during the holidays. I mean, Christmas week with New Year's, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, people gifting and all of that stuff that week. I probably did upwards of like 300. Wow. Do you have, do you have help or are you, or is it pretty much just you? I have help in the sense that, um, I can cry to my husband when I'm panicking. (laughs) Um, I, it's just me right now. We got a one woman show. I mean, my husband will hop on and do deliveries. My mom has hopped in and done some deliveries and stuff, but I mean, as far as as what's going on right now, we are we are operating as a one woman one woman show right now. So it's pretty pretty wild. It's been it's it's been it's been wild. So what what has the response been like? And and where where are people finding you? How are you how are you marketing yourself? The response has actually been I didn't expect the response to be so huge so fast. Um, most of my marketing was done through social actually not most of it, like all of my marketing has been social media and word of mouth. Um, Saratoga is a really cool little city. Um, it's very like support local support the community. Um, so that, that part has been really nice for me and spreading the word because of that tight knit community here. But social media has been like pretty much the only way that I have advertised myself so far. So, um, it, that, it that was actually really surprising how fast that that went the first weekend i mean i you know for like my first weekend i probably did 20 boards which you know now i'm like oh 20 in a weekend like mm. but um that was like <laughs> the, good was, yeah, the good old days but that was huge for me you know it was like a brand new first weekend um and i was surprised that first weekend too because of course like my friends were supporting and ordering and of course like I expected them to. And that was amazing. But then I had like people that I never even met before in my life, just like ordering up. And I was like, this is really cool that this word spread. I think I teased it out for two weeks on social media. Um, So just like posted in my stories. I just like hyped it up. I made some example boards and it just kind of from there, like I haven't really sat down to catch my breath since. Yeah, um, you you talked a little bit about Saratoga, and for for those who aren't familiar with the area, that's also quite a hospitality driven area. You have, I mean, the racetrack, like the horse racing, is really big up there, and there's the spa, um, there's colleges. Uh, so you know, without the hospitality factor, and and getting started really within just like the community of people who live there and work there. Um, what, as things are opening up, are you seeing the, your business change or like, what do you, what are you looking at as the weather is getting warmer and, and the restrictions are starting to ease? Yeah. I mean, cause you would think like, Oh, restaurants and all that stuff is opening again. But my main idea when I was thinking about opening this was actually to make it like, um, like tourism based in the fact that like we have the racetrack. So we have those 
six weeks. Well, I think they extended it to eight now, but those, you know, those weeks in the summer where we have like tons of people coming in and our racetrack is really cool because you're able to bring in your own food. Um, Mm. So I was, you know, when I was first coming up with this idea, I was like, that would like, how amazing if you could like grab a a box or a board of charcuterie and cheeses to bring with you to the picnic area at the track. Like you can bring in your own wine, you can bring in your own beer. So like what a cool, like, complimentary item to bring in for all of that for the day. So um, we also have SPAC where the um, New York City Ballet comes up. We have the Philadelphia Orchestra comes up. So you're allowed to bring in your own food for those events too. So I was like, perfect. I can market that because, you know, you can bring in a bottle of wine to watch the ballet. And how about a box of cheeses and charcuterie? So I actually think with everything opening up, I think that it'll be cool because I'll be able to kind of work towards that original idea that I had when I was opening it while also doing like people, you know, had their backyard barbecues or they wanted to have some kind of like fancy or, you know, I don't know when you're like all shut down and you can't go out anywhere and you can just be outside. Like, you you know, the cheese board thing, I think it made people feel like, okay, we're actually like doing something and celebrating something in a Mm -hmm. way that makes us feel like we're not just completely locked down and isolated. So it's, I, I feel like for this summer, I'll be able to kind of hit both angles because, you know, we are still in a pandemic. Yes. Restrictions are easing up, but not yet. And then, I mean, just upstate New York, if you've ever been upstate New York is just such a cool outdoorsy like area. And there's so much that you can do. And I just feel like cheese is the perfect way to like, you. I don't know, the boxes of cheese have been amazing because you could just like bring them wherever. Right. Have cheese will travel. Yeah. Have cheese will travel. You know, I mean, people were like, is there any way that I could like put this in a backpack to hike the, you know, we have the high peaks up in the Adirondacks and they're like, can I bring this to the high peaks? And I was like, I haven't figured that out yet, but I feel like I need to because hiking is also such a big thing up here. So that's very true. Very true. Yeah. So like the feedback that I'm getting from people also has definitely been helping me like figure out like I did um little jar cooteries for an open house event that you know a real estate company had up here because they're like single serve little tiny mason jars and it had you know just like bites of each type of cheese meat some crackers and some accoutrements and it was just like a cool way to still make like an open house feel like you know an event but like it was socially distant and approved so it's been cool. and the other and the other thing when I when I think about that part of New York I think about just your geographic proximity to so many great cheesemakers. Oh my gosh. We are in a really, really, really good location for that because we have, you know, the upstate New York cheesemakers. We have Vermont so close, like we're pretty close to the Vermont border. So we're so near all of those cheeses. And I mean, there's nothing like a New York or Vermont cheddar, you know? Right. <laughs> like some That's of the right. best. So um, it's definitely a definitely a cool area. And, um, there's a lot of like artisan honeys and art, you know, a lot of support small up here. It's because it's such like a, such a tiny city. So it feels like it's a city, but it's definitely small. Everybody supports local. They, you know, try and find small businesses to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, get their products from and everything. So that's, it's been a cool thing to be involved in. So do you get to turn your uh, customers on to some new local items that they didn't know about before or 
Um, what are like what are some of the things you get excited to put on a board for people that you just like? Ah, oh, they're gonna they're gonna love this. They're they're never gonna have thought about this before. And now they're not gonna be able to stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean locally. So I'm super into right now. Um, have you heard of Four Fat Fowls? Mm-hmm. So Four Fat Fowls, like they're Saint Stephen triple yes. cream is like. Butter. It's like butter. It's like <laughs> butter. It's like, give me a spoon and just let me spoon this into my mouth. Like, I mean, it's not even, I mean, yes, you would let it sit out to room temperature, but it's like the kind of soft cheese that like you cut it open and it's already melting and you're like this, it's just so good. So that right now, that is like my jam, put a little like honeycomb on it, a little fig jam on it. It's like, it's, it's so good. So that right now, um, I did a post on my Instagram too, featuring their creamery last week um just to kind of show people that like you know you can like go to the grocery store and grab like random you know cheddars that you see there and you know the cabot or but like we have really cool like local stuff that you know so the four fat fall saint stephen is definitely my jam right now also um vermont salumi um they're a really small um salami and sausage company and mm-hmm. their fennel salami is so good um, so that's like another one of my faves that I like to put on the board. Um, it's just, there like, any... I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask, is, it, is there anything kind of surprising that you put on there that people may not expect? Um, I mean like the holiday boards and stuff, you know, I kind of try and get like whimsical with my boards also. Um, but one, th- okay. One thing in the summer that people like really loved that I was putting on my boards and this is like accoutrement wise and stuff, but kiwi berries. Kiwi berries. Kiwi berries. Have you seen them? I have not oh seen Oh my those. gosh. They are, first of all, they're adorable. They're like lime <laughs> green little berries and you like can cut them open and it just looks like the inside of a kiwi if you'd cut it in half, but like you can eat the skin, eat the outside. And they're like such a cool pop of green, like such a bright color. And they're actually like very delicious. They're not as strong as an actual kiwi would be. So those, a lot of people gave me really good feedback in the summer for those. It's just like a really interesting pop of color you would never expect to see like this lime green you know Mm -hmm. little little berry so um those were those were very cool um I found fresh figs in January that was also very surprising (laughs) because it's you know not fig season so people are like wait figs and that was like turned into a thing up here because some of the the markets up here got got figs in January so also very surprising (laughs) so one of the things that um that I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed as well, is um, there's a there's a quite a number of these cheese and charcuterie board businesses opening up, and uh, and especially in in this, you know, I'm I'm in New York as well. I'm I'm south of you, um, down the thruway, uh, but uh, it seems like it's a getting to be kind of a competitive industry. Yes. What, but at the same time as our previous guest um, Elizabeth mentioned, it also feels like very much like a community. Yeah, it is. So it's a super supportive place, which like I had no idea when I was starting this a year ago that like there's this entire like world on social media that is just this like cheese world. Um, I have, it's, it's, it's so crazy to like think about that because I was just like starting this little board business and I had no idea that I would meet like I mean, women, I mean, most, a couple men too, but mostly women from all over the country that are doing the same thing who've actually have become like, I'm, I've never met them in person, but some of them, like I have their number and I text them. There's a girl, um, 
Nadine in Albany, who like we became cheese friends now and she's, I mean, 30 minutes away and we like are friends through this cheese community. So it definitely is becoming more competitive. You do see businesses popping up and stuff, but in the whole, most people that are involved in this arena are super supportive uh, of one another, even if they're in the same area. So that's been really cool to see also because, you know, you would think like, oh, I mean, there's just so many cheese lovers in the world that there's room for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) There is, there is. I think that's very true. And I think that that's something on cutting the curd, we always like to stress is just, you know, is just about how, how special and unique this, this cheese and charcuterie community can be. And all, all of the, um, the ways it gets very innovative. And I, and I, it's, one reason why I'm finding these new businesses and these new um, these new opportunities that people are finding to get great food to people yeah. um, is and so like, exciting. You see the creativity that some people have too. And like, it's, it's like inspiring and then it makes you work a little harder to like get more creative with yourself as well. And like, I always say to, you know, people are like, oh, well, how do you keep up? Or how, like, you can't worry about keeping up. You just have to like stay true to yourself and your style if you're trying to like, copy other people's style it's it comes off that that way that you're like not doing it your way so you know it's like there's a fine line too between like getting inspired by somebody or not so it's that's um something I always tell people just like be yourself and do it the way that you originally like that you wanted to do it like grow and learn of course but you know keep it real be yourself yeah that's so true that's so true so if you if you were to create a cheese board um for the fact that we just started spring uh or you know it's like I don't know I was wearing a tank top today which was pretty amazing um so what what would you like if I were to say like you know that I needed a cheese board to dine outside tonight and like you know enjoy the warm weather what's what's something you would throw together all right well okay if I (laughs) my like (laughs) go-to favorite like outside Cheap, but this is like it, it's pretty basic but like I mean I love burrata so much yeah me so like too. a burrata board but I mean that's like on a burrata board that's probably the only cheese you're putting on there um but you know burrata arugula some fresh tomato some lemon you know like lemon over the mm-hmm. arugula and stuff some like fresh baguette but that's like you know simple if we're gonna do like cheese board cheese board um if I were gonna put it together I would probably I you know I I would definitely right now I'm so into the four fat fowls Mm-hmm. So I would definitely put that on there. Um, I love the St. Agar blue cheese. Yeah. Um, it's so creamy. It's so good. Like, I, I just, I love that so much. So I would grab that guy. Um, and I think for Mont Creamery, um, their blueberry lemon curd goat cheese, I think is a really nice, like, outdoor cheese because of that, like, the blueberry, the lemon um so if you like a more like a sweet cheese and stuff that one's a really good one um if that's your style if you're not if you're more of like a savory the vermont creamery pepper jelly goat cheese i love that Mm. one has that kick um so you know and then like prosciutto i always think of like a nice warm weather a nice warm weather uh charcuterie um and like i said i really love like the vermont salumi they have they actually have a citrus one that i haven't tried that i want to try it's like an urban citrus salami that I would love to try so I will let everybody know on social how I feel about that one I feel like that could definitely be a really good like warm weather summery 
like salami go to, but I mean, like I said, I love their fennel salami. So mm-hmm. throw that guy on there. Honeycomb. That's a great, yeah. Honeycomb on top of the brie. So that's kind of if I was just off the top of my head putting one together. Well, I am really, really excited for you uh, as, you know, time is marching on and into hopefully brighter days for <laughs> like hopefully we're, we're for yeah for everyone oh and everyone's just like itching to get out and explore yeah. you know the Adirondacks and the Catskills and go hiking and just be outside listening to music oh my or gosh, just I know. we need stack yes yes a little outdoor concert please we need it. um but you know sounds like Saratoga Grazing Company's got a lot to look forward to this year and I hope you keep in touch and keep, yes I keep will us. yeah and you can be found on Instagram and on Facebook Saratoga Grazing Company yes it's C-O right it's just C-O. Saratoga Grazing Co C-O it's you know looks cool great looks cool looks trendy yeah it does it does <laughs> <laughs> but I really I really appreciate you taking the time and talking with us yeah, thank and, you um, so much for having me yeah so that was Erica Dibble of Saratoga Grazing Company. And then we also spoke with Elizabeth Choto of Graze Dat in New Orleans. Please check them out. Check out some other great companies as you as you go down the rabbit hole on Instagram. And uh, you probably find somebody doing something like this where you live and uh, get inspired. So thank you for joining us on Cutting the Curd. And I look forward to speaking with you all next time. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.